The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Arizona and the rest of the out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com. 1490 AM on your radio, 1049 FM on your radio. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, my co-host, Jim Mooney. Jim, good morning. Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs. Good morning, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Glad to be co-hosting with you today. Remember, folks, I'm on the radio, so that means it's a super safe Saturday. What does that mean? Super safe Saturday means slow down, move over for for bicyclists and pedestrians, and and stop traffic. Uh, try and um, you know put your phones down. Put the, put the phone down. It's okay. That phone call will still be there. I guarantee you, Facebook is not going anywhere. It'll still be there when you get to your destination. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Those texts will wait. Um, no drinking and driving, you know, unless you're drinking iced tea, and that's just a regular iced tea. No, no, not even sweet tea. Sweet, sweet gets you guys ramped up. So no drinking and driving. Move over, slow down. If you're working on your car, use your jack stands. You disconnect your batteries. Use your hood props. Uh, put on your safe glasses. And wear gloves if you're changing oil, because that's, that's nasty. Uh, just be safe so we can all get home tonight. And it's cold out there this morning, Jerry. You, 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 are, is everything yes, still it okay is. your house? No, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. I went out, went out to go feed. Had to go back in and get another jacket. Went back out, had to go back in and get a pair of gloves. But I, I guess it's around 34, something like that, 35. And uh, just a little breeze, which is enough to chill you. But, hey, it's it's wintertime. It's beautiful. You know, just uh, we don't see these many days like this, thank goodness. And But it's kind of different, you know. Uh, I mean, you got to go in your closet and start digging out your winter clothes and all the stuff you forgot you even owned in order to uh, – make it through today because I have desert blood and desert blood is very thin and you just, you get cold. But for all of you that's out there that are getting ready to go play golf uh, this morning, you might want to, you know, carry a little extra jacket a little bit uh, 
because I don't see any high high temperatures coming today. So good luck with your golf game. It's going to be a beautiful day once the sun decides to get up. That'll be in probably about 30 minutes or so. But it's a, it's a nice day to be alive, just a nice day to be alive. Now, this is one of the most important weeks that I know of that we've had in quite a while. People, on Tuesday is when you go vote, if you haven't already. And you just uh, go vote. You know, I don't care who you vote for. That's not my problem. Uh, but you need to vote, vote, and vote. Now, that don't mean vote three times. That just means one time, but be sure and vote. And the polls open at 7 o'clock, and they close at 5. I think that's the hours on them. So, you know, wish you all the success in the world on Tuesday, but just go vote. Make it a point to go vote. That's all I got to say about that. So, Jimbo, what else is going on? Thanks for hosting the show last weekend while I was in Phoenix. I, I really appreciate oh. that. And no, not a problem, Jerry. What, what, what? Yeah, what I seen on my trip to Phoenix and back was, I guess, flat tires are back in style out on the freeway, because I seen, I think it's three, maybe four vehicles that had flats sitting out on the side of the road. I mean, people were. One one lady, uh, somebody had pulled up behind her and was helping her do it, helping her change, or he was actually changing a tire. And so, and they looked like they had all the equipment to do it with. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So for the ones of you that are getting ready for your vacation travel, your uh, you got Thanksgiving coming up, you got the Christmas holidays, uh, it's it's time to make sure that your vehicle, especially your tires, which is, I mean, tires, they're all right. You only need them if you plan on going down the road. So uh, you need to get them checked out. If you don't know what you're looking at when you inspect your tires, take it to a tire shop and take it to your favorite garage and have them check your tires and make sure they're in good shape. Whatever you do, do not forget the spare tire. Make sure you've got air in the spare. And it works a lot better when you put it down on the road than if you have 20 pounds in it and it goes flat and, and squirts it off the rim. So make sure that you check that. Uh, for the hunters, we got hunting season. we got holidays. Um, a lot of people now, uh, since COVID started out, bought RVs. And you're still, maybe you're still just a little bit rookie on towing them. Uh, make sure that you drive very careful. Uh, just because the speed limit is 75, when you're towing a trailer behind, you really don't want to run 75 miles an hour. Keep it down around 60, 65, and you'll get to where you're going. And then uh, in crosswinds, be sure to get out of the accelerator because crosswinds is nasty. And if you do that, then you should be able to get to where you're going without a whole lot of problems. What do you want to add to that, Mr. I pick them up off the freeway all the time? <laughs> well, uh, if you're towing, I mean, crosswinds are a bear, absolutely. Side, wind is an amazing, amazing force. It's, the, side, the side profile of vehicle can really, can really uh, be affected by wind. Um, 
if it's if 65 is too fast, go slower. I mean, if you if that thing starts weaving the fishtailing back there, uh, either you got it loaded wrong or you're going too fast. So slow, go slower. If if you think the thing's not pulling right, you know, pull over, get off the road, get get off at a ramp, not not uh, not just on the side of the road, get off on a ramp if you can, so that you can um, check it out because. The last thing you want to do is have one start fishtailing on you, and then it, and you start trying to correct, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, and all of a sudden it, it comes around, the, the, the tail, the trailer comes around and touches your nose, and it's all over, and <laughs> there's a bad day right there. So, if you think that there's going to be a problem, if it, you know, when you're towing, you can feel it, you can feel it not acting right, doesn't sit right, doesn't feel right, doesn't break right. You know, get out and check it. Do you know, or stop if it if it's not going to work. I've seen plenty of vehicles. I've towed plenty of trailers that you start to tow them and and it it doesn't feel right and everything looks right. It doesn't feel right and and you try and you try and adjust it and it doesn't feel right. And you know what? I take it back and unhook it. But you know what? This isn't going to work. This is not going to work today. I know that 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 might not be the best solution for getting to your destination, but it's certainly the safest solution. If you can't, if the trailer won't tow properly and it's, it's giving you all kinds of problems, turn it around and take it back. And at least, at least you and your vehicles will be in one safe place. There won't be, you won't have an issue with it. That's what I got to say about that. And if you're changing tires on the side of the freeway, that little section there, north of Casa Grande, off north of McCarthy Road, that two lane section, that they're going to start working on here in a, in a oh, year. Yeah. Um, you talk about busy. Jerry said that he was he took his he took, he went adventuring this week last week, and he he took that venture that road trip to to Phoenix. That little two lane section that is bumper to bump the entire way. There isn't a shoulder to work on. There's no room anywhere along there. So if you have to if if you have to work in that area, do whatever you can to get off the road because it is really tight up there, and it's just. 24-7, that section of the road, it's like 25 miles. It's just bumper to bumper, and it's really, really congested. So, like a, like a, like me at, like me at, um, at, um, allergy season, right? Yep. It is nasty. I know, I it's noticed that, nasty. uh, the traffic, the, the traffic is, extremely heavy and since i don't go to phoenix that very often uh, i thought it was extremely 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 heavy and it, it it was it doesn't make any difference went up during the week come back on a sunday and it was just busy during the week as it was on sunday and i mean it was it was incredible and people i thought they were driving pretty well uh, but if you're running the speed limit, you're running cruise control, and you get in the right-hand lane, believe it or not, the left-hand lane is supposed to be for passing only. And having people come around me when I was uh, running cruise control at 75, uh, yeah, they come around you, and they really come around you. And so it's it's something that, and of course, I, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the when they uh, start, you see them coming up on you because you're supposed to check your mirrors, check your rearview mirror and both side mirrors, and they time it, and the recommendation is you should be checking your mirrors at least 
once during a song that you're listening to on the radio. Or about every three minutes, you check all three mirrors. And it keeps your brain tuned in to what you're actually doing, but it also uh, keeps you safe. You can see people that are coming up. Now, on my big diesel, I've got a button that I can push, and it'll give me a rearview mirror while I'm driving down the road, just going down the road. I can see who's up coming up behind me. I can check the traffic. If I, if I feel like I'm in a blind spot, I'll turn the, uh, it just hit the button, and it'll tell me what's around me. So if you don't have one of those, that's what your head's, that's where your head swivels. You turn around and you look out the sides. But if you stay on those mirrors and about every three minutes, and it does keep your head in the game, and it, it keeps you from getting hypnotized by the lines on the road. So hopefully you'll be okay. Uh, towing and heating transmissions. I read an interesting article on the killer of transmissions, and I was going to read it to you because I wrote it down, and it took me about 15 minutes to even write it down, just the highlights. Uh, when Transmissions, it all boiled down to the two killers of transmission is heat and... Uh, Heat and dirt, dirty ATF, automatic transmission fluid. Your transmission fluid, it does not, the transmission fluid itself will last, okay? That's not a problem. The detergents and the additives put in the transmission fluid is what wears out. So if you don't change your transmission fluid and then you add heat stress, on the transmission because you're towing something or you're overloaded or you're running a mountain that you're running actually too fast and you're pulling it up through there, just remember that transmission heats up. And heat and dirty fluid actually is what takes transmissions out. You can add abuse to it, and abuse would be using a half-ton truck to pull about, eh, 15,000, 18,000 pounds that I have seen them do. And that's an extra stress on your powertrain because the gearing and the differential on these trucks really make it different as far as if you have a 300 tail gear or 325 tail gear, uh, 340 tail gear, and you're pulling a trailer and you hit the mountains and you're just, you're just, you're, you're trying to get it up the hill and the transmission is grunting because it's in a different gear. The way they used to have small motors pull big loads is they changed the gear ratio. They moved it up to like a 411, 456, 488 tail gears. What that allows the engine to do is work better on the as far as the torque in order to move a load. It takes torque to start a load to move it. It takes horsepower to keep it there. And so if you've got a 411 gear, it makes it easier for the engine and powertrain to actually move the load. And it just it's a lot better. But if you don't have that combination, 
And most of your half tons that are made for grocery getters instead of heavy tow vehicles. And it's no secret, half ton means a thousand pounds. Okay. Yeah, I know you've got vehicles out there. You got Chevys, Ford and Dodge half tons that can tow up to 12,000 pounds. Yeah, you can tow up to 12,000 pounds with them. Very not at 75 miles an hour. And when you hit the mountains, Everything's going to start grunting it unless it has a gear ratio change down there around a 373, 411s. That gives you a little better shot. So just keep in mind that heavy load abuse can be something besides just drag racing with the truck. It can be an overload. Uh, well, mostly just overload. Just overload and and rabbit starch. Rabbit starch is not that good on them either because it works them. Transmissions rebuilders. When the transmission rebuilds and you uh, you modify a torque converter and put it in a car, uh, the torque converter if it's not the same stall speed or if it's different than what was in there, uh, you can have a problem with it. Uh, actually installing the torque converter properly makes a big difference in the life of a transmission because they won't last very long if they're not installed like they're supposed to be. So it's uh, it's quite in-depth on transmissions. Um, the fluid, if you keep the fluid changed in a transmission, it'll outlast the car unless you want to go ahead and burn it up, towing something you shouldn't be towing, going up a hill, and everything, the as soon as you light a fire under transmission, transmission should be running around 160 to 220 degrees. 220 degrees, you need to stop it. I mean, you need to, it needs to cool down, but don't let it go over that. You run it 250, 255, 260 degrees, you're going to have a transmission issue because it's going to try to cook the transmission fluid in there, and it's going to degrade really quick. So if you're just, when you're towing and you hit the mountains, um, on diesels, you're supposed to tow it around 2,200 RPM to 2,400 RPM. And as long as you keep it in that uh, RPM range, you're going to be fine. When you hit a mountain and you're running in overdrive, Pull it down to direct drive. If you know you, if you, most of you know the mountains you're going to be pulling. So when you know it's going to pull down, make sure you keep that RPM between 22 and 24. If you start pulling down and it gets around 22 and it's still pulling down, pull it down a gear, get that RPM, keep it between 22 and 2400 RPM, and you won't be bogging down on these mountains and you won't be overheating the system because you're picking up RPM, which increases the fan speed, which brings the coolant and works the coolant better, cools it down better, circulates the fluid more because of the RPM, and it actually works better. So, And it also keeps the transmission. The transmission cooler is normally up against the uh, – it's in the radiator. It's part of the radiator. And if you have a overheat situation with the engine – or the transmissions, it affects both because the trans the radiator is going to get hotter. It's not going to cool down the fluid that you the coolant coming out of the engine as quick, and it will increase the temperature of the 
uh, on the dash to tell you that your temperature gauge is going up and you think, oh, my engine's overheating. Yeah, engine probably is, but it, just remember, when that temperature goes up on that engine, it also goes up on the transmission. So you guys that are towing trailers and towing with trucks, check and make sure you have an auxiliary transmission cooler on that transmission. They sell them all over the world. Uh, they actually work. Uh, if you get a good little, it looks like a mini radiator that you can mount under the uh, under the chassis and put it in the airstream so that it can pick up the air coming off the road and you will see a big difference in the life of your transmissions. I've been towing forever, it seems. Every vehicle that I have, if it don't have an auxiliary cooler on it, and I'm going to be towing, and I know I'm going to be towing heavy loads, I put a cooler on them, and then I put that vented pan on it, the old, uh, transmission pan. And that's how I stay out of trouble with the transmissions. Uh, synthetic uh, fluid in a transmission, it has a silica base in the transmission fluid. It will run up to 65 degrees cooler on a dead pull if you have synthetic fluid in a transmission versus the paraffin base. And I've seen that. We've done it. Um, have buddies with big motor homes that had a overheat problem when they'd go to Durango, Colorado. And the only thing we did to cure that, I said, let's try synthetic fluid and see what happens. It cured his overheat problem on his transmission. By the way, that was after the third transmission that he cooked. But uh, And he gave me the information. It runs 65 degrees cooler on that same, that same road that he had been overheating his thing. And by the way, his overheat was around 265. He had the gauges on all this stuff in that motorhome. So there are ways you can protect yourself. Don't assume nothing. It is a piece of mechanical equipment. In order to perform like it's supposed to, it has to stay within the parameters on the cooling, the oil pressure, and if you can do that, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Remember on these older tow vehicles, if you've got around 100,000 miles on them and it has a, a, a the old straight inline six, uh, a V8, and it's got a fan clutch on it. If you've got 100,000 miles on that and you're planning on taking a trip and you're going to tow something back, even a small trailer, back to New York or something like that, or up in northern Arizona, check your fan clutch because I'll guarantee you, you've probably lost about 30% or better of the efficiency of that fan clutch. Go ahead, buy, do preventive maintenance on it because I have actually had to replace one of the darn things out on the uh, road the other side of Phoenix. And you have to take the part that's available for it, and that part didn't even last back to Tucson. So fan clutches, anything in the cooling system, you want to absolutely stay on top of it. And I've had, you know, my truck stayed serviced. My 06 stayed serviced all the time with the coolant. And it still cracked a seam in the plastic tank on top of the radiator. 
still cost me a chunk of money to get the radiator replaced, but there was nothing there other than it's just the UV from the sun that we have in the state of Arizona that eats the plastic. It creates it, you hit the torque with it, and then all of a sudden you've got a crack. And that's what happened to mine. So the best fluid changes. The recommendation, if you have the fluid, like this 100,000-mile or lifetime fluid in the transmission or engine, I'm sorry, with the antifreeze, lifetime antifreeze, you put the stuff in. Well, that lifetime antifreeze goes out the window when you actually service the transmission. That means that the system is no longer sealed up. You've introduced air to it and new fluid, but now you're on a two-year, 24,000-mile rotation on your fluid in the cooling system. Real, real critical on towing vehicles, vehicles that you use for tow. Boats, uh, pull-behinds, fifth wheels. It's really critical that that cooling system is up to snuff. Uh, Two-year, 24,000 is recommended on them. Uh, On the diesels, you can run a two-year, 24,000. I think mine's right at 30,000. And I take a look at mine and see what it is. But we have ways of testing the antifreeze to make sure that it's still good. I don't care because if when I was towing on regular basis, I was pulling anywhere from twelve to eighteen thousand pounds. And when you're doing that, mine was on just a regular fluid change. I think it lasted about eighteen months, and then we'd just change it. We'd like, or if I overheated while I was out on the road. And when you're pulling 18,000 pounds and you're going up the mountain to Flagstaff, you're going to be putting some serious heat on that engine. And so I just, when I'd get back, you know, we'd check it and it'd say, yeah, it's not 100%, but I said, well, I want it 100%. I got to make another trip. So we flushed the full out, flushed the antifreeze out with a flush machine, and that unloads everything out of the motor. Nothing's hiding in there. You've got everything. And then fill it back up with 50-50 antifreeze. 50% will handle anything that we have down in in southern Arizona. If you live primarily in uh, Flagstaff or something like that, you can take it down maybe uh, to a 40% mixture of glycol to the water. But always flush the entire thing. Get all the water out of it. That flushes the radiator. That flushes the engine. There's nothing left in there of the old stuff. You replace it with brand new stuff. Check the radiator cap. But once you change the fluid or you have to change a hose on the cooling system, anything that messes up the integrity of the closed system, Anytime it's in, uh, compromised, then you go to two-year 24000 And by the way, that's from manufacturer. That's Moe. So you buy a Chevrolet, you buy a Dodge, you buy a Ford, you buy a Toyota, you buy any of that stuff. When you do a transmit, a radiator flush or you replace any hoses, then it goes two-year 24000 And you'll be happy you did. And use the correct antifreeze. 
you know, GM come out and they had this orange antifreeze. That's 150,000 miles. Toyota had it, 150,000 miles. We serviced a Toyota Tacoma. It was uh, 70,000 miles, and the the antifreeze was trans. Well, it had transmission and antifreeze. The transmission fluid that was supposed to be lifetime, it was black as everything. I mean, it didn't even look like transmission fluid. And then when we checked the radiator, it had it. It was bad. It showed up on the strip. It just totally bad. So you change them. It's inexpensive compared to the damage that can be done if you don't change them. So and you're more than welcome to check any of this stuff out with your garages or whoever. You got anything you want to add to that, Jim? That pretty that should right. pretty much keep you safe out on the road. That should. That was really good. The uh, I was just going to jump in on the transmission. The uh, like you were saying, the overheating. You know, dirty oil can cause it to overheat because it doesn't. It the, mm-hmm. the dirty oil breaks is broken down, and it doesn't. It doesn't allow the thermal properties of the oil to work properly. So it doesn't. It won't cool. It won't. Won't let the the oil coolers work properly so the the transmission's overheat right and as far as and and a lot of this applies to automatic but manual transmissions manual transmissions have the same issues they overheat too yep now you don't normally have a, a cooler per se running through your radiator but some transmit some auto, or some manual transmissions have coolers on them some of them have pumps in them um, but where manual transmissions have issues is with oil, the transmission oil. So the only thing they got going for them is oil flowing around. And when the oil gets dirty or there is no oil, you're going to have a failure. The bearings will not last. And and it seems like today's bearings don't last anyway. So anything to – I've seen bearings where the chrome just peels off. You're, you're wondering how did the – I've seen bearings that have cooked to death, and they still will run. And I've seen bearings that don't look like they've got any use, and the chrome is peeled off. And the hard chroming is gone, which means the bearings junk. Oh, and by the way, the associated race is junk. Um, so um, when you're running a manual transmission, clean, proper fluid level is very critical. And like Jerry said, the synthetic, the synthetic goes a long ways in those manual things. It it reduces the temperature. It hangs on the bearings. I didn't understand until I started doing it. The, it actually stays on the bearings in, in superheated conditions, giving it just that little bit extra protection that you might not normally have. If you don't want to use synthetic, just That's use right. regular, good regular oil and change it. You know, I mean, it has to be serviced just like anything else. Um, and... I know it, it's a transmission. You shouldn't have to do anything to it. But, again, it's a mechanical device. It probably is going to weep. You know, if you get that weepy seal, that, that output shaft seal, that input shaft seal, the one that's right there next to the clutch that you can't friggin' see, um, but you can see a little bit of weep coming down the bell housing, yeah, you're going to have a low fluid level, which means you better keep topping it off or you better pull it out and change your seal. Well, that's not a small task. Pulling the transmission to change the input, the input uh, um, seal, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tall task. Even on a regular old 
full Chevy four-speed transmission. That's, it's a lot of work. So if you keep your fluid levels up, you, the seals will stay cooler, and hopefully they'll last just a little longer because when they get hot, they get brittle, they break, they start to leak. Now you, your condition's exasperated because your, your oil is leaking more, you're not paying attention to it, and you got one that leaks all the time. It's going to be leaking on the ground. It's going to cover the back of your. You'll know it. Covers the drive shaft. Covers the differential with all oil with the diff with gear oil. You'll smell it on the exhaust because gear oil has this this very unique smell when it gets hot and burns. It's pretty distinct. You'll know it. But um, yeah, so keeping that still, keeping those clean is good. Uh, automatic, same thing. That and cooling systems. Uh, the the fluid in the cooling system and the fluid in the transmission system do have the same properties: lubrication, cooling. When the when the antifreeze gets dirty, it, it reduces its ability to exchange heat, and which makes it run hotter. And when it breaks down, just like Jerry said, when the when the when the chemicals break down in the coolant, it starts to rust. Now the now you have corrosion in your in your radiator. And even if it's even if it's an aluminum radiator with plastic tanks, you'll get corrosion, which means the little the little tubes in the in the radiator get thicker, which means they don't work as well, and and the fluid is dirty, which means it doesn't work as well. So now you're you got two things going against you, and they don't get better, they only get worse. So, and and when you get one that gets really bad, you open it up and it looks like, well, I don't know. Um, rusted <laughs> chocolate hot, milk. Hot, 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 chocolate milk. Yeah, it looks like chocolate. It looks like chocolate milk. You got a problem. <laughs> yeah, real problem. But when you open that up yeah, and you look at that, that's right. And flushing the system is probably not going to get where you need to be. You know, now you're looking at radiator replacement. Maybe you know heater core replacement. Oh boy, just just do the heater core on a car some today. Oh, that's a that's a true joy. Oh. <laughs> I wish Ron Fuller here was here to tell us how how much fun that was. Um, but yeah, so now you're looking at you know water pump and radiator replacement on top of a of a fluid exchange, a fluid flush. So then it's they're not cheap. That stuff's not cheap. It's a lot. It's hard to get to. It takes a lot of work, and it's not it's not cheap. I know that that coolant's a little expensive, even if it's twelve or fifteen dollars a gallon or twenty dollars a gallon. But uh, I don't know, a hundred bucks versus seven or eight hundred dollars. I don't know, whatever you know. I guess you can. I guess if that's your maintenance program, it works. But it's a. I don't. It's not a great program. So. Well, the other the other you know, thing with cooling. Yeah, with, with the cooling systems, don't use the stop leak. Uh, you put stop leak in a cooling system, and I've seen it plug up heater cores. And it, it works better than it used to years ago. Um, I'm sure that somebody's probably come out or is coming out with one already, already out that you can use. And they said it will not plug up heater cores. Well, um, I seen one at the shop that we pulled the heater hose off of it and, uh, it was plugged solid out. It's about a, half inch hole and that thing was solid it looked like somebody had packed it with oatmeal and um but i'm 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 from i was raised on a farm we used to have a, a my i watched my dad pour 
uh, milk, uh, what was it, canned milk <coughs> in a system to actually slow down leak until he could get it repaired. But if you put that stop leak in, stop leak in an engine, you can put it in your emergency road kit. And if you absolutely have to have it and you've got no other options, then put it in. It's better than, you know, burning the thing down or melting the internal components. But as soon as you get back to where you've got an option, then get that stuff, flush the system entirely and replace it with new antifreeze. And that'll that'll be the smart way to go on that. The other thing with uh, out on the roads, now that we've got the cooling thing, you need to check your serpentine belts. Um, and if it's got the little cracks in it, you know, go with the theory that I have. If I wanted it with cracks, I'd have ordered it that way from a factory. Um, but it's showing where it's beginning to deteriorate and I'm not good enough or smart enough to know how much longer that serpentine belt's going to run, and neither are you. I've had them go out. The a serpentine belt runs just about every option, every everything you have on the front of the motor, air conditioning, power steering, brakes. Um, so keep that serpentine belt. There is no particular time frame on that because in Arizona, we don't have typical weather. We have stuff here. You can run a serpentine belt probably in North Carolina for five or six or seven or eight or 10, 15 years because of the moisture that it has back there. Out here, I wouldn't really try it for that long because they do come apart. They've happened to me twice, and I pay attention to mine. But... um you know, I was on a trip on one, and it come loose, and it looked good when I left, but it didn't last. So they do get dried out, and they're a rubber component. They've come a long way as far as the materials that you're using for that um, serpentine belt. Same thing is with the timing belts. They've come a long way, too. It's a better quality belt, but it's they're still rotating mass. They rotate a lot. A 360 degrees, they run that circuit, and they're constantly under pressure because they've got the tensioner springs that keep it tight so it doesn't come off, and it just it wears it out. It's just part of it. So if you haven't taken a look at your serpentine belt, or if you haven't, if you've got still got one with a timing belt instead of a timing chain, and by the way, if you want to wear out a timing chain. Don't change your motor oil. If you don't change your motor oil, that's the biggest killer of a timing chain. It will absolutely wear it out. It sounds dumb, but I've seen too many of them to call it dumb. They do wear out because of dirty dirty oil and proper maintenance. So uh, stay on top of that. But anything rubber... Your water transportation systems, now they have a lot of pipes and tubes and stuff now. So used to, they had all rubber hoses. That's what your transportation system was for the water. When I replaced them on my 03 Mini Winnie with a V10 in it, I ordered it to replace the hoses. It come in a a box big enough to have a refrigerator in it. it. It was one piece 
It was a one-piece hose assembly that went on this 2003 V10 in a motorhome. It took eight and a half hours to change that hose system and put that new hose system on it. That's how much of a pain in the butt it was. However, it it, it worked. It worked. New new transmission, uh, new antifreeze. Uh, Jim, do you put an additive in with your diesel engines when you do the fluid transfer on your antifreeze? Yes, we do. There's a, yeah, what kind a, of additive, additive do you use? Do you remember? Well, there's a BG actually makes a, a really good coolant uh, um, additive, and it, so it um, it brings the chemicals back up to line now. When we're checking the the, the antifreeze, you know, um, you can use the strips. The strips work pretty good. I like those. Or you can use your your little gauge, um, and it'll tell you. You know, yeah. the strips will tell you the the level of the acidity in your in your cooling system. So when you put them in there, it, it right. tells you how, where basically what your what your chemical what your protection level is, and you can see it in right. Jerry. I'm within a year. It will have depleted to zero. If you keep checking it, it'll go to zero, and then you put the additive back in, and it, and it will bring it back. So then, at the end, at the end of the second year, you just take it out and, and start over. But right. it, it's actually right. kind of amazing stuff. It's I forget what the what the BG number is, but it's it's a coolant protection. Um, uh, it's a chemical additive, and it it brings it brings right. it, like re-energize like electrolytes. It re-energizes the coolant the the chemicals. Works really well. Well, it a BG makes a, a excellent product. And by the way, if you want to know more about BG products, you can go to bg.com. Just bg.com. If you have a diesel, because diesels are really sensitive to clean fluids and clean air filters. And if either one of them get dirty, one, you can have dirty oil in a diesel and you lose power. And I've seen that firsthand. And if you have a plugged air filter, you're going to lose power too. And I, I have yet to change a filter because of the monitor on the vehicle itself. When that son of a gun, I, I recognize the symptoms. I recognize the drop in fuel economy. And then I just go, and I look at the monitor, and it says, oh, it's about half gone. Really? Change the filter and pick back up my fuel economy. And I've done that on three trucks now. So uh, the monitors are nice, but I don't trust them because they're based on a, uh, they're based on information on how many starts, uh, how many miles, uh they they don't they don't they don't tell you okay if you run across a high boob in the state of Arizona you might want to change your filter no you don't might you need to change it as soon as you possibly can because that filter is going to be just saturated and probably bypassing and so it's just it's real critical what do you want to add you, know, it's funny. you want to add in, it's, all right oh, it's Go ahead. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that because um, um, on semi trucks there is actually an air filter monitor, and what it is, 
It basically is a water vacuum gauge, so not a regular vacuum gauge, a vacuum gauge that's, made, that's calibrated in, in, in water vacuum, which is a mammometer, like a mammometer, mm-hmm. right? And, and what it does is when you, it, it actually has a, a hose, it's a mechanical gauge, and it's hooked to the air cleaner. And when the, when the air cleaner is so plugged, you will actually see the gauge rise, showing you that you have X many inches of, of water vacuum pulling to get air through the air cleaner, okay? And it's very common on trucks, especially wow. trucks in heavy-duty service trucks, especially trucks that run in the dirt, like water trucks and, and dump trucks, so that you know when you're running in the dirt that it's time to change your your air filter. And so you, if you accelerate, mm-hmm. you know, um, under load, you can watch the thing go from zero to up to 40. Then <laughs> there's a red line in there, and when you get... The, Folks, when you get up to 40 inches of, of water vacuum on an air filter, you have a plug filter. I don't care how to cut it. You, there, it's plugged. Um, when you get 20, it's plugged. But if the gauge moves at all, it's pretty much time for you to replace it. And it, it's very interesting because you can. it kind of helps you re- learn about fuel economy, but it's really, it's really helpful when you're working in the dirty area to see how fast a filter element gets, gets uh dirt saturated or plugged just because of normal operation. And it's, like I said, if you're working in the dirt, you know, there's it's everywhere, and the filter can become plugged, you know, in a week, and you're now you're servicing it. So, And if you would think normally, oh, well, I can go 10,000 miles, we can't because you're living in, you live in a dust bowl. There's just no way to get around it. It's not, it doesn't work on cars, or they don't have one on cars yet, and maybe they haven't figured it out, or maybe somebody hasn't come right. up with the idea. But um, it, it, what it does for us is it illustrates how quickly a filter can become dirty in a normal environment with that, you know, and it, it shows you that how, how quickly you need to change the stuff. When you think a, a, normal, a normal interval, change interval, is a, is a certain amount of days, time, or hours, um, it, what it is is it shows you that um, environmental factors can really affect filter cleanliness. So um, it's one of the one of the things that's really interesting on trucks. So. Well, all, all I know is you if you if you want a vehicle to last, you don't put a Yuma bore job in it, and uh, <laughs> all the dirt and stuff we call a Yuma bore job because man, when you mix that stuff with compression and the rings and stuff, oh, shut up! Hang on, <laughs> a little adjustment here. Um, but when you mix that dirt and stuff or dust inside the uh, engine, it, it starts wearing it out. And for the people that do tow, keep in mind that a tow mile on a vehicle, it doubles what the cruise mile is. If you're running out on the freeway and you go one mile, okay, that's and you're towing, that's two miles. And so you adjust your maintenance schedule accordingly. And if you only tow like periodically, uh, you just, you start figuring it out and you do the math and say, okay, now I'm, I'm running actually instead of 12,000 miles, I'm working this vehicle at a 24,000 mile, uh, parameter. And so you just adjust everything. Um, 
transmission fluid, differential fluid, transfer case fluid. Uh, I had all of mine, the transmission, transfer case. It's Well, the tra transfer case more so than the transmission. But the transfer case and the differential, I had on the same rotation as far as changing it. 15,000 miles on the trans uh, differential gear lube. And when you get to gear lube and you're in a tow vehicle, it's, a lot of it calls for 80-90 weight. You know, you get it from factory, yeah, we got 80-90 weight in it. Well, when I was towing, I used the uh, 80, I think it's 8140. And that seemed to keep everything in place because I've never lost a differential while towing. And it, there's just things that you, that you you go to a severe duty uh, maintenance program in the state of Arizona because we are a severe duty state. And if you go to severe duty in your owner's manual and maintain it at that level, you'll be much more happier. The vehicle's going to last longer. And with it's it just it, it just works. It just works. Uh, Jim, what do you know about diesel fuel, running out of diesel fuel coming up? It's what everybody's claiming now. Everything that I read says, especially the ones that's going to be hurt the most are the ones in the northeast for heating fuel and stuff like that. Have you heard any scuttlebutt on that? That's that's the that's the story. They say they're going to run out. I'm, you know, I kind of find it hard to believe, but... Um, I could see, you know, heating oil being cut down, heating oil being kerosene and not necessarily diesel fuel. Um, right. The, um, you know, there's nobody, the fuel people I've talked to here, when you ask them that, they, um, so I deal with, with people that deal in commercial fuel. So commercial fuel is, is right. you know, trucks. Um, I The people that I deal with work, you know, are owned by refineries. Is that because that's oh only only the people that keep this country running right? Only the people that keep only the people that keep this stuff running. Now they'll they'll tell you about refinery maintenance and they'll tell you about um, you know supply chain and they'll tell you about you know um, limited limited crude in, influx. They will not tell you whether or not mm -hmm. we're going to run out of diesel. And they've been told that to be very tight-lipped about it because they don't want to cause a panic because if you're you know it right. would be like saying you know there's going to be no there's there's no you go to a you go to a movie theater and the guy puts up on the sign and says no bathrooms available you know as soon as you start the movie that would cause Ooh. panic people would as soon as you did that there yep. would be a panic so they people don't you know people don't want to hear that they're going to run out of gas um so everything even if i ask around um Different types of of um, questions about you know supply, I I can't get a good answer. The, the same thing was with DEF too. So if you're running you know late model diesels, then you need uh, diesel emission fluid. The DEF, um, mm -hmm. I buy mm -hmm. DEF all the time. I buy pallet full. Um, I I haven't had any problem getting it per se, um, but yet there's you know there's supposed to be a DEF shortage. Well, but I'm not you know I, it could be just a I hate to say it's a manufactured situation, but um, to this point in time, nobody's explained how how we're going to run out. Um, but it's 
and nobody in the in the commercial in the commercial network will will stand upon yes or no. So they're just like, ah, everything's fine. Right. <laughs> so, which is kind of frustrating because I'd like to know how to plan. <laughs> so. Yeah, it makes it a little bit hard for you to plan something when you don't have all the correct information. It's tough. So it's really I tough. I understand that. I've been through the gas shortages, though, in 19, what was it, 72, when we had the gas shortage where you used to have to stand in line, and then about two cars away from you getting your fuel, they're out of fuel, and they put signs up on it, and you can't go, then you got to go start shopping for it someplace else. I, I wasn't impressed by that either. And um, Late 70s. I, 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 there's 70s. one little store that I use out here uh, that has been out of gas three times this year. And I'm going, if you pump that much gas, why don't you get your, uh, whatever you're supposed to be getting, your deliveries, more regular or something? That's just, it's, I almost blame that on poor management of this one particular store or station, I should say. But I don't, uh, well, that's, you know, that's, it's just that's a question it's for something. Fuel, fuel, question for who? Purchasing fuel for Jesse? For, yeah. For Jesse. Purchasing fuel for a gas well, station. Well, maybe. Is... Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour on the first hour, so maybe if Jesse's listening next hour, he can call in and fill us in on what's going on with this. If he's got any more different information than what we're getting, it's hard to keep up with it anymore. Everybody's still blaming in. the supply chain. Uh, I know that the um, what is it? The OEM market. It, because of the um, uh, OEMs, because of the demand for the uh, autonomous uh, drivers, uh, driver cars that's supposed to be coming on real strong, the OEMs are going to aftermarket to, uh, di- to separate vendors for help in getting these cars out on the market now. So they're they're teaming up with them. And But uh, as far as the electric vehicles, they're still having some issues with electric vehicles, but it's brand new. They're supposed to have issues with them. You know, the only reason you don't notice it with the cars and stuff is because there's more cars on the road than there are electric. But brand new cars have problems too. But... Nobody should panic. It's just new. Everybody, it'll get the infrastructure worked out. The problem that they're looking at now is actually with farm implements, big tractors and stuff like that. John Deere has a big farm in the Midwest that they work with. That's where they test all their equipment. And they have an electric John Deere tractor, a big monster. Pulling power is absolutely perfect, you know, and nobody, anyone that's ever driven an electric vehicle knows that you've got plenty of torque, so you don't have to worry about pulling the load. And, but the problem that they're having is they're in like 100 acre, 200 acres, 250 acre, 300, 500 acre fields, and they'll run out. If they, what do they do when they run out? Because they're, you know, 10 miles away from home and stuff like that, and, they they said that they're having a issue an issue uh with the electric so they're under R and D ninety nine point nine tenths percent of the time as far as checking those out. So 
And there is no place in the middle of a 500-acre field that you can put a charging station. So there, 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 there are some issues. So electric vehicles will be around. I don't think you're going to make the quota where everybody's driving electric by 2035. I, I don't think that's a realistic expectation. I think that's somebody shooting at the moon. And but it's it's here, it's here to stay, and it's just another way of transportation. And so I'm not getting too excited about it. I think people are going to start keeping the vehicles that they have because of the cost. I seen a, a GM half ton truck electric, a hundred five thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money. So it's here. You know, everybody's looking at them and saying, "Okay, now what? What? How, how we're going to work around this?" Because, you know, we'll, we'll we'll just see. It's interesting, actually, to follow this stuff and find out what's going on. But uh, they're in a radio program on the planet that's got enough time in it to get into electric vehicles and stay with it and cover everything. There's just there's too many little issues. And, of course, it's electric. It's new. It's going to make the news because that's where we're at now with the Green Deal. And um, so we just have to adjust for it. But uh, as far as getting away from fossil fuels, it's going to be a long time coming. It's going to be a long time coming. And, yeah, I know that the big oil manufacturers are already investing heavily and windmills and alternative energy sources. They're they're putting a lot of money into that. So they're expecting it to slow down and start cutting into their profit for gasoline sales and diesel fuel sales and stuff like that. So and that's just good business. That's the way they're supposed to do. But will they acknowledge the fact not if they're thinking they can't acknowledge the fact that oh well it's just gonna be a, a fad right now and it'll go away. Trust me, these electric cars the electric cars are not going any place. They're going to continue to be in. Um, they're going to continue to be expensive for quite a while. Uh, the government is still pushing the, uh, we'll give you a tax credit of $7,500 on some models. It varies on which model you have, whether or not you get 700 or, uh, 7,500 or you get, uh, 5,000 or 2,500. You know, so there's variables on everything now. So just do your homework when you get ready to go buy electric. And if you're running in Tucson, Arizona, and that's all you're going to be doing, man, I, I'd, 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 I'd go out and get one. You know, but I, I wouldn't pay $80,000 for one, but I'd go out and get one if I was just running in town. But if I want to go across country right now, I'd be a little bit leery. And uh, But that's just me. That's just me. I'm a little more conservative on that. So... All right. Well, we're out of the first hour. This portion of the show, 6 o'clock hour, is brought to you by Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision. And 724-520-744-4454. is a number to Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision for all of your auto body needs, repairs, crashes, whatever. They handle it all. All right, we're going to take a break right now to top of the hour. Fill up your coffee cups and come on back. We've got still a lot of information that we can pump out in the next hour. We'll be right back after these messages. 